Josh Womble's going to take the lead on this tonight, lead us in a discussion. We really just want to kind of get a feel for where you guys are at and talk openly about it and read some scripture. And um, I mean, really, that's all pastoring is, is kind of see where, where you all are at. What are y'all thinking? What are y'all feeling? And what questions do you all have? And we acknowledge that a lot of time we totally miss the mark, right? We're preaching on things y'all aren't interested in, and y'all are asking questions that we're not answering. Tonight is an easy night for us to try to be in tune, okay? So, Josh, how about you start us off? Yeah. So, um, so I've been talking about this a lot for the last several weeks. Um, so, is that better? Nope. I thought this microphone was messed up the other day. I don't know where anybody else, but it says it's on. It was working just a minute ago, but it, yeah. Maybe we can pass that one back and forth to the wireless. That's what I'm saying. There we go. There we go. All right. Um, so, uh, so I've been talking about this for the last several weeks, and uh, y'all kind of heard me. So let's start out just by you two kind of saying um, whether you think the Earth is old, several billion years old, four and a half billion years old, or pretty young, um, a few thousand years old, and, and why, kind of briefly. Yeah. I would, I would fall into the camp of believing that the, the earth is young. And I think the main thing that convinces me is just a simple reading of the beginning of Genesis. To me, I don't think indicates at all that we should uh, come away from that thinking that the earth is old or, or any, anything like that. And so, you know, I'm sure we'll get into it later, but I also think that there are uh, other scriptures that refer to Genesis and the Genesis account that I think are uh, indicating that perhaps um, the earth is young as well. Uh, so that's a very brief explanation of, of what I believe, but I, th I think mostly my, my position is based on the way that I read the creation account. All right, and uh, thanks, Jake. And I, I think that the bio, that the Earth creation is young, and that there are six literal days of creation. All right, and then um, let's talk for a minute about kind of how big of a, of a deal is this? How big of an issue is this? How important is this question? Uh, what if there's some people in our church that think the Earth is pretty young, and there's some other people in our church that think the Earth is is, uh, is pretty old? Um, how big of a problem is that? How big of a problem is that? Can we get along together? Can we both be part of the same church? Should we be doing church discipline against younger people or older people? Or kind of how, how big a deal is this question? Yeah, I think, um, I think there's one determining factor that would determine whether or not it's a big deal. And I think that's what we believe about Genesis 1-1. As long as we believe that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, I think that we can have uh, community with one another. I think we can agree uh, that agree to disagree if we think some, some believe that the earth is old, some believe that the earth is young. As long as we believe that God is the one who created it, uh, that Adam and Eve were literal people that God created, uh, I think there's, there's a lot that we can disagree with and still uh, be part of the same church. I know that I know personally some people uh, in our church and even outside of our church who believe that the earth is old, uh, and I they know that I disagree with them, uh, and vice versa. 
but it's not at all anything that I think that they're in error or that they're uh, missing the whole point of the Bible or anything like that. So I think we can have fellowship with people who, who think the earth is old. But again, I believe that it, it's determined on we have to believe that God is the one who created uh, the earth uh, and that Adam and Eve are literal people that God created. Good. Take that microphone off and we'll just pass it back and forth. Um, it's important that we know how we arrive at the conclusions that we make. And so it's not that as important for somebody to say where, you know, what their beliefs are and what their convictions are, but why do you think that way and where did you get that from? And that must always be informed by the scriptures. So we take a little bit of time to say, okay, why do you think that and why do you believe that way? And I think Josh did a great job the last two weeks of uh, fairly representing young earth and old earth. I have lots of good friends and people that I you know, love and respect and even some mentors or people that are further along than I am that believe differently than me in lots of categories and they also love the scriptures and that's fair enough, right? That's fair enough. Do they love the scriptures? Can they affirm everything that the Bible clearly says? And if so, then that's fine. We'll just share this one, it's fine. All right, uh, what questions do you all have? Let's turn it over to y'all. Yep. Yeah, so the question for the recording is, um, where did dinosaurs fit into a young earth understanding of uh, those early chapters of Genesis? Anybody? <laughs> Go ahead, Jake. Uh, so let me try and remember my days. So day six is when God <laughs> creates everything that, that walks on the earth, I believe. Uh, and so I believe that Dinosaurs were created that day uh, and that they were walking the earth. Now, we don't have a whole lot of places in the Bible where it talks specifically about dinosaurs. Now, obviously, I think Josh is ready to share with us some passages from Job. Uh, we had a whole dinosaur sermon not that long ago, and so perhaps Josh is most prepared to answer this question. Uh, but I think that dinosaurs and people walk the earth together. Uh, I know that's a very unpopular uh, belief in modern science or the scientific community or whatever, uh, but I don't see any reason why those things can't be so. Uh, and I think what we read in, in Job is evidence for the fact that they did walk with people. Because like Josh said in his sermon, uh, God is pointing out the Leviathan and the behemoth as, as to say to Job, I control these things, which are so massive and huge and, and amazing. Why can you think, or why might you think I don't control you as well? So I think Job would have been familiar with, with the dinosaurs, meaning that they would have walked the earth together. Uh, but as far as, you know, when all the dinosaurs died off, I guess we would probably point to the flood uh, as, you know, an answer for that. But again, that's probably what I would say about dinosaurs and well, and I think, too, that people and dinosaurs living together at the same time is not really as, as big a problem as a lot of people make it out to be. Um, obviously, dinosaurs are bigger, um, but, but we have the same thing going on today. Like, you know, we all live here. Uh, how many of us have ever run into a bear? 
you know, but we know that there are bears there, right? Even deer, how, how often do we see deer? And there's lots of deer around, right? And we see a few maybe, maybe here and there, every once in a while if we're not out looking for them hunting or, or whatever, but just in our daily lives, we don't, we don't often run into wild animals um, that we know are, are there. And so dinosaurs are bigger, so that might have been a, a bigger problem for people in dinosaurs then, but we also have to remember that the population was a lot smaller then too. There weren't as many people on earth as there are now. And so if, if there's dinosaurs, and, but there's not as many people on earth, then it's not as big a problem, I don't think, to have dinosaurs and people living at the same time on, on the earth. Anything to add? Other questions? I think, Miss Linda, go ahead. Yeah, so the question is, how old do we think the earth is? Like a, a, a kind of an approximate number. How, we all said we're young earth. Um, approximately how many thousands of years do we think? Um, you know, we talked about um, uh, James Usher uh, a few weeks ago and how he started with the genealogies in, in the Old Testament. And when he traced that timeline back, um, he got to 4004 B.C. And so if you add 2021 to that, um, that would be around 6,000 years. Um, and so I'm not, I'm not going to say that the earth is necessarily 6,000 years old, um, but, I, but I think that's, you know, getting us in a, in a ballpark. Um, most young earth people say six to 10,000 years, somewhere around that time frame, um, and that's kind of where I would be comfortable. I concur. Miss <laughs> Linda, I, I personally don't think those things are, are, th are that big of a deal. We don't see the years talked about in, in Scripture as much. As much as we can chase, trace the genealogies back, we do our best with that, and I guess that's uh, how this guy, James Usher, came to his conclusion, roughly six to 10,000 years. Um, I just feel safe saying that it's younger rather than older. That's what I feel good about. Um, because the big thing to me, and I wanted us to, to get to this at some point tonight, so I'll go ahead and say it. The big thing to me is that I don't think there's any place at all in Scripture for there to be death before the fall. That, that's kind of like the biggest thing to me. Not to mention that it, 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 the regular reading, like I think Jake said that, the regular reading seems to say that uh, day seems to sound like a 24-hour day. The New Testament refers to creation quite a bit. So, th I mean, those things are there and a big deal to me. But I don't see any place just, I mean, it's pretty simple to me that there's no place for death to fit in before the fall. And it seems like we've got a even if there are some gaps, we've got a way to trace back to the fall. I mean, Adam and Eve are real people in history, and that's when sin and death started. So there are a lot of problems if there was death before that. So that means it's young to me. That's the way I see it. Who's next? 
same carbon's been in multiple things. Right. Yeah. Repeat that for them. Yeah, so the question was, um, uh, what was the question? Oh, yeah. The, the question was, um, when, God when God created, um, did he use pre-existing material or did he create out of nothing? That's the question, right? Um, and I, I, don't, I don't know exactly what, what, your, what your friend means by that. Um, and, and, and like the, the, the time frame of that, like when, when God created, um, the Bible seems to say he just used his word. He just spoke it into existence, right? Um, but if you're an old earth person and, you're, um, and you're, you're attracted to the gap theory, remember that? The gap theory says that God created the earth in verse 1, Genesis 1-1, one, one, and then this big catastrophe happened. And so then in chapter 1, verse 2, he reorganized what was there into the creation that we know now. And so I guess if you're an old earth person who, who holds to the gap theory, there's some room for God creating the creation that we see now out of pre-existing material, right? But even that pre-existing material was something that he had created before then, right? And so I, I think really what, I think really it's important for us to think about it because everything that exists in the world is either God or not God, right? Everything that exists in, in existence is either God or, or not God. And so the stuff that's not God, where did that come from? Um, and if that was here, uh, if, if that's eternal, if there's some kind of matter or something that's eternal, then that means there's something on the same level as God, right? And, and I, don't, I don't think so. I don't think the Bible uh, teaches that at all. I think the Bible teaches that, that God is in a category completely by himself. And so I think... Um, you know, everything that exists, like I said, is either God or not God, and all the stuff that is not God is here because of God, right? God is the, is the beginning, God is the creator, God is the sustainer, um, God is the source, and so anything that is not God um, finds its origin, its source in, in God. So I, so I would say that, that ultimately God creates out of nothing. But if you're in that old earth camp and, and, you're whole, and you think the gap theory is a good explanation, then there's a place to say, well, he took that chaotic stuff that, that had been messed up and created the universe that we see now out of that. And so maybe there's, maybe there's some room for that, but ultimately I don't think so. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The theistic evolution idea that God kind of started the process and then let it let it develop. Yeah. What do you all want to talk about that? Uh, God has made it known that He wants us to understand Him as He has explained Himself. Uh, you know, we 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 do benefit a lot from general revelation. We we started the service tonight with Psalm 19 that the sky is testifying to God and. We see God's glory, and we, we, we understand uh, things about creation and, and God's divine power and majesty through observing creation. Uh, but God wants us to know, uh, know him way further than that through the way he has explained himself. And so we read the Bible, and then what we understand about creator creation is now opened up even, even more in depth and more beautifully by, by what he says. At the beginning of the Gospel of John, it says, All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. That's pretty comprehensive. Everything. 
Well, and, and something I was thinking just now too, when you were saying that your, your friend says that God kind of got the process started and then stepped away, the picture we get in Genesis 1 and, and 2 and even in, into 3 um, really sets the Bible up or sets, sets the world up for God being very involved with his creation, right? It's not just that, it's not some impersonal thing where God started it and just let it go on its own and, and it's not involved anymore. God's very involved in his creation. He's, he's speaking it into existence. The, the Holy Spirit is hovering over the, over the, the waters there in, in Genesis 1. Um, in, in Genesis 2, I think it is, God is, is, um, is walking in, in the garden with Adam and Eve, right? And, and we, we understand walking as, as being symbolic, but it's symbolic of um, a closeness, a personalness between them. Um, remember, God brings all the animals to, to Adam and has Adam name them. And then when there's, one that's, that's, when there's not one that's found uh, to be compatible to him, God puts him in a sleep and creates the woman out of him. And so all of that is very... Is very personal, very much so. God um, involved uh, in, in, the, in the closeness between Him and the creation that He's made. Even even when we get into the New Testament, um, Jesus talks about God providing the food for the birds. Um, knowing in in Job that that we just got through preaching through, God knows where the mountain goats give birth. Um, and and so all throughout the whole Bible, there's this 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 theme, this concept, this idea of God being very closely and personally involved in the creation that, that he's made. Yeah, the, the other thing that I would say is, you know, you, the, the second verse of the Bible is really interesting to me, that we see that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, but then it tells us that the earth was without form and void and darkness is over the face of the deep, but the Spirit of God is hovering over the face of the waters. And I think, you know, as we think about who the original audience of Genesis is, it's the Israelites who've come out of, uh, Egypt. They've come through the Exodus. And I think one of the things that they would think about life in general is that their life at that moment was was chaos. I mean, think about the 10 plagues. Think about living through the 10 plagues. I mean, that would be utterly chaotic. And I think one of the things, not, not at all the main point of the creation account, but I think one of the things that God wants his people to know through the creation of the world is that even though at the beginning of creation, it seemed like it was utter chaos, right? It's formless, it's void, and it's, it's dark. That's not a problem for God. And God clearly and easily puts things into place. He organizes them exactly the way he wants. Uh, and I think God wants his people to know that chaos and, and disorder is not a problem for him. And he easily organizes it exactly the way he, he wants it to. So. And when they come out of the Exodus, they go immediately into the wilderness where they don't have food, they don't, can't provide right. Right. That chaos yeah. Yeah. As Wombo was saying, that chaos continues as they go into the wilderness and wander for, for 40 years. Yeah. That, that way of thinking, though, it, it continues throughout the Bible and throughout the scriptures and throughout history, even, even today. We are, uh, so much of the conversation about the age of the earth and evolution versus creation is, well, that, that's absurd or that's not realistic. I mean, you really think that. You know, Abraham walked around with some dinosaurs, or you really, you know, but we need to remember that it's not like it's unrealistic. We're saying that it's divine. So much of all that we believe is truly the miraculous of a holy, all-powerful God working inside of his creation. And we need to be able to acknowledge and just go ahead and be okay with it. We believe a lot of things that to the natural man are ridiculous. 
We do. You just need to be okay with that. I mean, I, I, I believe that Noah and his sons and any helpers that they had built a boat that is the biggest attraction now in the United States of America in Northern Kentucky. I believe that they built that, right? And it probably took 120 years for them to build this boat. And then I believed that God called the animals himself and brought them to the boat. And yes, they went into the boat. And I believe that God miraculously shut the door, right? And we could go on and on on all the things that God has miraculously done. And I I know right now that there are tons of people out there that just laugh at that. And I know that they also laugh at the idea of creation and young earth and that, and that God is a creator God. But the Bible, which is God's word to us, is where we learned those things because God wanted us to know those things and we believe them. We believe his word. Yeah, and, and, and what we know from our own experience is that God has saved us right? And the Bible describes that as a, as a new creation, a recreation, a new creation. And, and as hard as some of these questions are from the early parts of the Bible, um, in many ways, recreating a sinner into a new being um, is harder and more significant of a, of, of a thing to do than creating the earth in six days a few thousand years ago, or bringing a bunch of animals onto, a, onto an ark, right? What other questions or thoughts? I was just going to add to that. I think believing the first verse of the Bible is essential to believing most of the rest of the Bible. I mean, if we truly do believe that verse 1 of book 1 says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, then all the other crazy things that Josh just said we believe are not that hard to believe. Because if God can create all of this that we know, he can easily do all the other things. He can easily bring the animals to the boat. He can easily make the the head of an axe float on water. Crazy things like that. Last week, uh, Senor Edgar asked a question about Satan. If y'all were here, you may remember that, and we talked about that for a while. Um, Afterwards, um, Pastor Matt reminded me that um, there's a passage in Revelation 12 uh, that I'll read that kind of goes to to answer part of, of of that question. It doesn't get to when did Satan fall, um, but it does get to kind of how it happened and uh, to some extent even even why it happened. Um, so Revelation 12, I'm not going to read all of it. I'm going to start reading um, in verse 7. It says, Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is also called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And so, uh, so something happened in heaven. We're not told exactly why, but there was a, there was a, a fight in heaven between Satan and some angels that sided with him, Versus Michael, a lead angel, archangel, and, and, and the angels that sided with him. And in the end, Michael and his angels defeated Satan and his angels, and Satan and his angels were thrown out of heaven, right? And it, Revelation 12 there doesn't tell us when that happened, um, but, it, but it must have been, it, it was before Genesis 3 for sure, because he's there on the earth in Genesis 3, and, and Revelation 12 says he was thrown down to the earth, right? So very early on, this 
this battle happened, this revolt, if you will, in heaven happened and Satan was thrown down because of it. Other questions or, or comments or thoughts? Uh-huh, Liz. Yeah, how, how long were Adam and Eve in the garden before the fall happened? No idea. <laughs> yeah, in short, yeah. we don't know. Yeah, we don't know. You I don't know. If you're telling an yeah. adult, if you told me that, I wouldn't. <laughs> you know, a five-year-old would, but I wouldn't. You know, uh, I don't know. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. And and we also need to remember what happened in Genesis three. It wasn't just that God told them not to, and they did. It's that Satan was there and, and tempted Eve into doing it, and kind of uh, not to take the blame off of Eve or to take the blame off of Adam. Um, but there, but there is also some guilt there, some blame there to put on Satan that he kind of coerced her in, into eating it. Um, and so it wasn't just God said no and they, and they couldn't resist themselves and, and did, you know. Um, but yeah, we're not told how old they were. We're not told, uh, we're not told how, long that, how long that took. We don't know. They must have been at least some, some type of age because they, weren't, they were old enough to sew. I can't think of a five-year-old knowing how to like sew fig leaves together to make clothes out of them, right? So the only thing that I would think that might give us some sort of indication, um, so you've got in, in Genesis 3, the fall, let me look for the verse that I'm looking for. So this is after they sinned, verse 8, this is Genesis 3, 8, it says, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and the wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees in the garden. So I think... The only thing that verse tells us is that they heard the sound of God in the garden, meaning they'd heard that before, they knew what that was. And so there are some people that maybe say that this was happening every day, that God was coming and walking in the garden with them. There are some people that would say maybe this was just happening on the Sabbath days. And so if that were the case, then maybe the, you know it's been a couple weeks perhaps, they've heard this multiple different Sabbath days and, and they know that sound, so that's why they hide themselves. But uh, I don't think that's a main point at all. I don't think there's any reason for us to like really push hard on that to try and come up with an answer. But yeah, that's all I would say. And, and we don't really have any reason to think so, but it could have been a number of years. Like we literally don't know. It could have been a few days, could have been a few years. I mean, we don't, we don't know. Other questions? Yep, Garth.
Yep, so the question is, uh, it was mentioned before that one of the, imp one of the reasons that, uh, that, that we hold to a young earth, I think you mentioned it specifically, one of the reasons you hold to a young earth is because death could not have, taken, could not have been in the world before the fall. Um, and so the question is, when, when Adam and Eve fell, part of that curse is not just on Adam and Eve, but it's on the rest of creation. Um, and so the question is, did like decaying and breaking down of, of creation, that kind of thing, um, did any of that happen before the, the fall or did all that begin with the fall as well? I wasn't listening to what you just said, <laughs> uh, but I'll, I'll speak to you. <laughs> I was looking up a passage, I'm sorry. So I, I think, yes, that the, the creation was subjected to death and all of that uh, at the fall. And the reason is because of Genesis 3, uh, let's see, Genesis 3, 17, and uh, to Adam he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree which I commanded you, you shall not eat, cursed is the ground because of you. So I think that, but then we also, if you look over to Romans 8, Paul talking about, um, <clears throat> well, starting in verse 18, for I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that's to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. So I believe that we've got the creation itself, Paul referencing it being subjected to the, the curse and all of that, meaning that it was not subjected to that prior to uh, the sin of, of Adam and Eve. I think pastorally speaking, uh, it's, it's important to us that, that our church people believe the scriptures. That, that, that to me is the most important thing. Uh, if, if you come to faith according to the scriptures, then we need to accept that we often will draw different conclusions. Okay? But are you going about that through the scriptures? That, that's important. When I wasn't raised in church, I got really involved in church when I was 16, and went to ended up going my last two years to a Christian college. My first two years went to public college. My last two years went to Christian college. Got my bachelor's degree um, in in Bible, and my degree is called Christian Studies, um, and and that was Baptist. And when I went off to seminary, I went to Reformed Theological Seminary, uh, the, the Charlotte, North Carolina campus simply so that I could live with my family for another semester and not be gone before I moved up here. So when I moved up here in 2003, I had just finished my first year of seminary at RTS, Reformed Theological Seminary in Charlotte, which tends to be a Presbyterian seminary. And I had never been around Presbyterian in my life. And the very first time, the very first time, this is gonna rock y'all's world a little bit, but the very first time that I'm with seminary students, men, uh, men and women that love God, love the scriptures, great discussions. I loved being a part of that school. When we took a lunch break and we went to lunch at a regular restaurant, it was pretty normal for them to order beer and cuss when they talked and things like that. And it, it blew my mind. I don't want to tell y'all that I was naive and sheltered, but I was 22 years old, and I had never, being in Baptist life, I had never, ever seen that. And my first thought, which is probably what y'all are thinking right now, uh-uh, you know, no, no way, right? 
But I had spent time with them. I went to school with them for a while, and they at times would say cuss words. I don't mean like, you know, flippant, irreverent attitude and speech. I mean, they just used words that weren't in my vocabulary. And they were drinking alcohol normally over lunch, and we would go right back to school. And that was really good for me to go to RTS for a while. And then I moved up here to Southern and had to sign all these documents that I'll never cuss and never smoke and, you know, never do all this sort of stuff because Baptists are different and Southern Seminary is different in that way. But it was really good for me to be there even for just one semester because it allowed me to think these guys are different from me on some ways. But I'm convinced they love Jesus. I'm convinced they're following him. I'm convinced they believe the scriptures. They want to open up this with me and say, tell me where I'm sinning. Do you think that I'm wrong? They were, they were up for that, right? And, and, and vice versa. And so, uh, do you believe the scriptures? Do you think the earth is old or young or dinosaurs or this? Tell us from the Bible why and how you draw that conclusion. And there's absolutely a huge respect and appreciation for that. What is dangerous about these conversations is when somebody wants to try to draw conclusions disregarding the scriptures. That is not how Christianity moves and that's not how faith is informed. Faith is informed through the word of God. So it's important for us to, for you all to know the scriptures are informing what I believe, whatever direction that is. And to bring it home a little bit more, we have a lot of people that disagree about baptism, right? Lots of people that disagree about baptism. And they're using the Bible to get there. Yeah, and along those same lines, like we want to, we want to study, we want to think, we want to have conversations with one another, we want to, to hear the Bible preached um, and, and really try really hard to understand it, right? But there's also a place for, you know what, the Bible, the Bible says this, I don't really understand it. I'm gonna, keep, I'm gonna keep trying to understand it, I'm gonna keep thinking about it, I'm gonna keep asking questions and having conversations with people um, and, and keep trying to understand it. But in the meantime, I'm also gonna keep believing it even if I don't understand it fully because I trust the God that wrote it and I trust that it was written by God. Right? I'm, I'm not saying that we should have some kind of blind faith and, and, and just, just believe things just because. We should try to understand things and think about things and, and, and work hard to do that, right? Um, we should worship God with our, with our minds as much as we worship God with our, with our obedience and with our speech and with our, uh, you know, the, the way that we spend our money, all those kind of things. We should be thinking hard about the Bible and trying to understand it. But there's also a place for, you know, this is a hard question. I don't know exactly how to understand this right now, but I, I believe what it says because I trust the God that wrote it. Does that make sense? It, it is called faith, but, it, but it's, not a, it's not just a blind faith. It's not a, it's not a not, you use the word naive. It's not a naive faith, right? It's a, they're one of my favorite people from, from church history is, is a guy named Anselm of Canterbury. He lived in, in England, his name was Anselm. Um, and, and he coined a phrase, faith seeking understanding, right? We believe first, we trust first, uh, because we're trusting the God that wrote it. But that's the foundation of us seeking to understand and, and, and seeking to, to, to see how things fit together and, 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 and 
and to use our, use our minds to, to, to understand it and think about it as well. Other questions, thoughts? Uh-huh. Yeah, that's a great question. So the question was, um, when we talked about the old earth views, one of the, earth, one of the old earth views was that the word in Genesis 1 um, for the, that's translated day in English um, is the Hebrew word yom, and we talked about how that word um, can mean day, can mean a 24-hour day, like we think of days, um, or it could also, uh, in another place in the Bible it does, uh, mean an extended amount of time, like a defined period of time, not necessarily 24 hours, sometimes longer than that. And so the question is, why did Moses use the word yom in, in, that, in that chapter? Is there another Hebrew word that means day that he could have used that's more, more strict to, to just 24-hour day? Or um, why did he use that, that word? Joshua Jake? Uh, I well, I think one of the things we need to keep in mind is that the the account in Genesis 1, I don't think, you know, we believe Moses wrote it. I don't think his intent was ever to tell the Israelites how old exactly the earth was. I don't think he was ever thinking, you know, as, as God is telling him what to write, because obviously Moses is not there at the time of creation. Clearly, this had to be dictation at the tent of meeting. Uh but I don't think he was ever thinking, oh, oh, you know, what God is telling me is intended to tell the Israelites and also, you know, future people at First Baptist Fairdale for the, you know, Answers in August series, exactly how old the earth is. Uh, and so I think day is just a common word that he would have used just like we use it, you know? So like you said, you know, the word yom has a variety of meanings. It can mean a 24-hour period, but it can also mean, uh, you know, a larger period of time. Well, our word day can mean that exact same thing. You know, we talk about, you know, Tuesday last week, right? We're referring to a specific day and, and we all understand that to mean a 24 hour period, right? The, the day of Tuesday. But then we could also say, man, do you remember back in the day when, you know, this happened or that happened? And we're not referring to a specific day, we're referring to a period of time, right? I mean, we could say, you remember back in the day when Y2K was a thing? Well, we just use the word day that we commonly use as a 24-hour period, but Y2K was like all of 1999, everybody freaking out, thinking, uh, you know, the world's going to end, all the computers are going to shut down when the clock turns, you know, midnight. Uh, and so I think, you know, in our language, the way that we use the word day can, can also be, you know, one or the other. And again, I think context determines everything, you know, just like what we, we say that over and over again when we read the Bible. You know, if we want to understand what the Bible is saying, we need to make sure we understand the context. And so that's why, you know, I know Womble talked about the days in Genesis 1 being numbered. You know, there was evening and there was morning the first day and the second day and the third day. Uh, all that is kind of pointing to, okay, this is a numbered day, right? Not just a general period of time. And then you get uh, in Genesis 2, 
where it says, you know, in the day of creation. And that's clearly referring to a period of time, uh, not, not a specific 24-hour period. Um, but I think that was, that's how I would answer that question. I don't know if that's what, kind of what you were looking for or not. Um, I was just doing a little, little bit of looking on my phone, um, and I, I, don't, I don't know 100% for sure, but I'm not sure that there's another, another word in Hebrew for day. I think that may be the, the word. Um, part of the problem is anytime you search, let's do like a Google search or something for Hebrew word for day, this is such a big issue that it's going to come up and talk about whether Genesis 1-1 is talking about 24-hour day or, or, or it's in a period of time. Um, but but from, from what I just a few minutes could, could kind of look through, I don't think there's another word for day. Um, but, but I can't say 100% for sure that's the case. Um, you can make that word a little bit more definite just by saying the day. In Hebrew, it's hayom. Um, and sometimes that's translated as today or this day um, or, or the day. Um, if you put a day of the week with it, like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, that makes it more definite. Um, and one thing we talked about that week was um, if you put a number with it, uh, that makes it more definite as well, like the first day, the second day, the third day. Almost every time in the Bible, whenever that word yom is used with a number like that, it's almost always a 24-hour day. Old, old earth people um, don't, don't really like us saying it this way, but I have a hard time believing that anybody ever in the history of the world would read Genesis 1 and not think that it was a day. Something else is informing that, it's, causing you to doubt the scriptures instead of believe them. That's what I think. Yeah, remember we talked about that idea of, of stratification in geology, how different, different layers form over, over time, and you can use those layers of rocks to, to date the, the rock or date the mountain, um, kind of like you do a, a rings on a tree to date the, how, long the, how old the tree is, and each of those... Um, each of those strata or each of those levels is several millions of years old. I think if you start with, with that kind of thinking and then go to Genesis 1, you can come away trying to figure out a way to make it you know, a longer period of time. But like you're saying, if you just start there and just read what it says on its own terms, I think it's, um, I think it's pretty clearly a 24-hour day is what it's trying to get across, right? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, but, what, but what I'm saying is, the, I think the way you get to that not being a 24-hour day is you start with the understanding that, that those rock layers mean different things and the earth is millions of years old before you come to Genesis 1. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if somebody is saying that, it doesn't, it doesn't bother me at all. I said at the beginning, the issue for me is where do they put death? If they're talking about it all happening before death, then I say it, it, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really, I mean, it doesn't really matter. Um, but if they're trying to put death there before the fall, then we have all sorts of problems, all the way to Jesus and that. It, it, it's not in the scriptures. But if you're just talking about it, you know, it being old, you know, gap... Um, when, the, when, when some people that believe in the gap theory will say that apart from death, that's okay. Uh, it, that, doesn't, that doesn't matter. That, to me, you're not denying the scriptures necessarily. Um, I, I think that could be legitimate. It's when people are putting sin and death before the fall. That is contradicting the scriptures. Mm -hmm. Or putting death before sin. 
that death yeah, happens yeah, yeah, before yeah. I that's sin. What, and that's what yeah. I'm meaning the whole time is death before sin. Yes. Yeah. When I keep saying death, I'm meaning death before sin, meaning sin is not what's caused death. If, if people are putting that before the fall, we're discrediting virtually the whole scriptures and the whole gospel. But if, if they're not talking about sin and death, then I, I don't think it matters. I'll, I'll switch to old earth if you wanted me to. If they're not talking about that. It doesn't, I mean, it doesn't, doesn't, doesn't matter to me. But I don't think anybody's talking about that, right? Because, you know, I mean, it's one thing, like you're saying, to say, like, the rocks are really old, but there was nothing living there that died. Mm-hmm. But, but, but the whole issue with, the, with everything being old is that there are fossils there that supposedly were old as mm-hmm. well, mm-hmm. you know? Garth? All right, we're getting close to uh, seven o'clock. We may have enough time for maybe one, one more question, maybe two if they're kind of short. Anybody have anything? Uh-huh, Emily? Yeah, so the question is, how would we encourage families um, and, and the church as well, I guess, but, but families especially, um, how would we encourage families to prepare their children and, and, uh, and young adults as they're going off to school, going off to college, um, to, to think about, to understand, to deal with, to react to being taught in, in school in different contexts that the earth is, is several billion years old, the universe is even older than that. Um, how do we prepare kids and, and, and college students for that? That's a good question. Um, when there, one of the real big problems in, in society and, and in our world and, and often in the church is that we feel uneasy when somebody believes or thinks differently than us. And so we naturally make them out to be the bad guy or wrong or the weirdo or something like that. And that that's so bad. Don't, don't raise your kids that way. Don't, don't, don't do that with society. You, you create more um, walls than there need to be there, right? It's, it's okay for people to view things differently, all right? There, there are. It's okay for people to view things differently. So we need to change the way we think about that instead of everybody being wrong, and we need to go ahead and say, there's a lot of different people out there that think a lot of different things than us, right? And in acknowledging that, then we can say, this is the way these people think, and this is the way these people think, right? Uh, Somebody just asked us, all right, if 
we could take their kid to a soccer game next weekend, but we have to leave really early. And so I said, let them spend the night and they'll leave with us and we'll go. And the family spoke up and said real quickly, we don't do any sleepovers. Well, 30 years ago, I would have said, what? Well, you're weird, you know? That, that would have been how I reacted. What do you mean, no sleepover? That's weird. I did sleepovers when I was a kid and it didn't ruin me, you know? You hear people act like that all the time, right? But now I realize and I appreciate that. Cool. Now that I think about it, we don't really do sleepovers either, you know? But they, they don't do sleepovers. And so what I'm saying is they're just, that's, a, that's a, a belief they have in their parenting. It's the way they think about things. It doesn't mean they're wrong. Actually, they're good parents. We're great people. We love them, but that's the way they think. And so instead of trying to make them out to be the wrong or the bad guy or whatever, we can say that's just the way they think about it, and that's okay. So in school, you need to be thinking on those lines and talk to your kids about everything, even bigger issues than creation and evolution, huge issues Here's the way some people think. Here's the way some people think. Here's the way some people think. Here's the way some... And you're just constantly, constantly talking that about absolutely everything. Here's the way some people think, and here's the way some people think. And then kids can easily understand, well, why do they think that way? And then you're into the whole worldview conversation. We think this way because we're informed by God. We're informed by our faith. We're informed by Jesus. We're informed by the Bible. I don't know why they think that way. Maybe they are informed by it or maybe they aren't informed by it. And so it's, it's helpful to say people think differently and then what is informing them. We may not know what's informing them, but we know what is informing us. And so I think it's reasonable to say there are lots of people out there in the world in schools that teach different things. And we think they're wrong. There are a lot of things like that, though. I mean, not just that. So, But I think it's also... Um, it's 7 o'clock, and you brought up the whole school, <laughs> school issue, which I could really talk about that a lot. But just to reveal my heart a little bit, I, I don't think that somebody teaching your kids something else is going to absolutely ruin them and brainwash them to believe it. I don't think that. I went to public school growing up. I was taught evolution my whole life, and I never once believed evolution. And I didn't even grow up in church, right? I have a hard time, I'm serious, I have a hard time thinking that J.J. Green is gonna go, you know what, that science teacher over there that I can hardly even remember his name, that never even talked to me by my name, is more believable than my dad who's laying down his life for me in love, in sacrifice, hugging his neck, looking him in the eye, telling him that I love him every day, praying on my knees for him every single day, multiple times a day, that he believes him more than he believes me. I'm not worried about that. So when that comes up, I say, some people believe this, they're right. They're okay to believe that. I don't think that's what the Bible says. Here's what God teaches us. Here's what I believe. I think that's how parenting is supposed to go. Yeah, I, I was going to mention something similar to what you said at the end there. Um, but I'm, I'm not a parent, but parents and families have to work to get to the point to where you're not afraid of that. You know, to where you're not afraid of your kids giving someone else more authority than you. You know, when I was teaching at a school, um, it, it was a Christian school, but this one of the parents I've become pretty good friends with. He had a kid in the elementary school, um, and I've become pretty good friends with him. Um, he was 
he was a really good basketball player when he went to high school in New Albany, Indiana. He ended up playing at the, at the Citadel uh, for college, and then he went to the Philippines and played professional basketball in the Philippines. And he was telling me about how his, his son, who was in kindergarten or first grade, I think his name was Mateo, how Mateo had gone to a little elementary school basketball practice that the school had put on, and, and the coach had taught him to do something, and so they got home, and my friend Noy was saying, well, that's not really how you're supposed to do it. Here's how you should do it. And he's like, it was so hard for me to convince him because Coach Chris had told him to do it this way, and he's the coach, and so he's supposed to have the authority. Well, Coach Chris has never played basketball before. He's not even really a coach. He's just doing this little, this little elementary school basketball thing um, you know, because they, they've got him doing it. I played professional basketball. I played at the Citadel. I'm this legend at New Albany High School. I know way more about basketball than he does, but my son was giving him this, this authority kind of level above me because he, was, he had the title of, of coach. Um, and, and so I think, I think you have to work at that to make sure that you have that, um, have that understanding with your kids. You're not afraid of them looking at someone else for, you know, giving them more authority. Yep, good. Anything else? Any final thoughts? Believe the Bible. <laughs> if you come to a different conclusion, but you're sure that you believe God. The Bible says over and over again that God's the maker of heaven and earth. Right. Believe the Bible, believe the truth, believe that that comes through Christ. If you come to a different conclusion on creation, that doesn't, doesn't bother me. I mean, a couple of y'all raised your hand and said, hey, hey, just for the record, I'm a, I'm a young yeah. earther. And, uh, you know, I appreciate you saying that, but that doesn't matter to me so, so much. What, what's concerning is if you don't believe the scriptures, mm -hmm. because it's through them that we come to salvation, yeah. through the scriptures. Remember the, you, anything you want to say? Remember those, those four kind of non-negotiables that, that was said at the end of each week, um, that, that God did it, God created the world, and he did it out of nothing. Um, Adam and Eve were the first, were, Adam and Eve were real historical people. Um, Adam and Eve were the first people, and, uh, and that, that, that sin came in the world before death did. Right, those four things I think are, are non-negotiable. If and if we end up being a young Earth person, thinking the Earth is pretty young, um, and we're believing those four things, um, if we end up being someone that thinks the Earth is older and we're able to believe those those four things, then then I, I think that's fine. Right, as long as we're believing what the Bible says, believing that God did it, um, uh, then then we can have some disagreement on some on some other areas. You know, we've talked about that before, how there's, there's places to have disagreement. We did a study like this on, uh, on human freedom and God's sovereignty back uh, a couple of years ago, and, and we said there's room to have some disagreement on, on that issue within certain parameters, right? Um, if we talked about, like you mentioned, baptism, um, if we talked about, um, you know, any number of things, there's room to have some disagreement within certain parameters, and that's the, that's the case here, I think, as well. As long as we believe that God did it, that Adam and Eve were real people, uh, they were the first people, and that death came in after sin, um, then, then we can have some disagreement on, on, on some of the details of it. Yeah. All right, well, thank you all for being here tonight. Thank you all for being here this, uh, this last month for, for all, the, all the weeks. Uh, let, me, let me close this in prayer, and we'll be, we'll be finished tonight. Father God, we thank you so much for, uh, for your word. God, we thank you that you have revealed yourself to us in it. Um, and God, I pray you'd help us to be faithful to believe it. Um, even, even when it doesn't make 
full sense to us even when we have some difficulties understanding, well, how could this be true? Is this really right when everyone else says that, that that's foolish or everyone else says there's no way that, that, that this could have happened this way? Father, I pray you'd help us to, to be faithful to, um, to, to believe you. And when we talk about believing the Bible, what we're really talking about is believing you, uh, saying that you are more trustworthy than, uh, than, than, than other sources around us. God, I pray you'd help us to be faithful in that. Um, and God, we thank you that, that, that you've created the world. You've created us. And, and, and you relate to us as, uh, as a Savior now and as Lord and as King and in all these different ways. But God, you relate to us also as our creator, the one who, who, who made us, the one who gives us life, who, who gives us existence, the one who sustains our lives. And, um, and, and God, we thank you for that. And I pray that we would never be looking to ourselves, our own strength, our own abilities, um, thinking that, that, that we're something because of, uh, of, of what we've done. But God, we're always relying on you as the one who gives us um, our, our very life, our very breath, everything that we need. And God, we thank you that you've given us your son, Jesus, uh, to meet our ultimate need of, of righteousness and holiness and, and, and removal of sin and salvation. So that as you created us in, in the garden, uh, Father, we can, we can come back to you and have that same close, intimate, um, real relationship with you now through Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you all.